We've got a solidified roster. We've been breaking down the roles of who's involved, having a number of conversations. So today, let's address the big question. What does the starting five for Syracuse basketball look like next season? And how will the minutes be broken down with an orange team that seems like it has as much depth as it's had in the last decade? It's your Locked On Syracuse Friday episode. Let's get right after it. You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, what's happening? Welcome into your Locked On Syracuse Friday episode. I'm Owen Valentine saying thank you so much for making Locked On Syracuse your first listen today and every day free and available wherever you get podcasts and part of the Locked On Podcast Network. That's your team every day. We've got some fun stuff to talk about today. I love roster conversations. I love lineup conversations. And that's exactly what we are going to do today with regards to Syracuse basketball. We are going to take a look at who's there, right? We know the roster. It's pretty much solidified, barring some gigantic breaking news. We know the 13 scholarship guys. We know there are some big-name players, some new names in the mix, and some guys that, in theory, are going to make big jumps from year one to year two. That's often talked about where you can have the biggest jump, and you often see the biggest jump in that exact time frame. And Syracuse has so many players that are making that year one to year two jump. Judah Mintz, J.J. Starling, Chance Westry, Quadir Copeland, Benny Williams, or not Benny, Benny's one of the only guys that isn't, Chris Bell, Malik Brown, Justin Taylor, Peter Carey, right? You've got seven or eight guys that are making that year one to year two jump. And that is going to create a lot of conversation. So I'm going to preface today's episode by saying, there is a severely good chance that I am wrong making a prediction about a starting five that will not take the court for another four months, doing the best I can with the information that we have now. And the more we hear about this team, the more we hear about the style of play under new head coach Adrian Autry, the more we hear about how these brand new players intertwine, right? You've got, in theory, three guys from the transfer portal that could breach the starting lineup. That is the type of transition and change that you will see amongst many other things, including, as we just mentioned, a brand new head coach, a new assistant coach, a new style of play, a new defense, a new tempo. So today I give my best prediction as to what that starting five looks like. And then a little bit later in the show, I'll I'll hypothetically give some other possible lineups that I feel like could happen or just some ones that I think would be fun to see on the court as well in certain scenarios where things might match up well. I'll give the nod to Neil Adler. He's got an article over at Inside the Loud House. I'll put that up, I believe, yesterday talking about the same topic. So I think uh, it, it sort of sparked me wanting to do this episode today. So shout out to Neil. Uh, big fan of his stuff. Uh, I'm going to get him on soon. I'll say it now. I'm going to do it probably next week. We'll see what we can do for that. Talk a little bit of recruiting. As the open communications with the 2025 started uh, on Wednesday, uh, actually yesterday, excuse me, on Thursday. 
So we'll, we'll have a little chat. We'll continue that conversation next week, hopefully, uh, if Neil's got some time. But shout out to him for the idea today. So let's break it down. And I'll, I'll be honest, if you read that article, uh, you, you know what my starting five is, right? I think Neil knows. I know many people know that right now, the most likely starting five uh, does not have many hot takes. It's pretty much chalk. And I, I think you're probably making a very bold prediction to go out and say that you think the most likely starting five is something other than what we're about to go with. I think in terms of experience, I think in terms of splash, in terms of what we saw last season, that this would be the group that makes the most sense. There are a few locks in here. There are a few spots that I think are up for grabs, more than a few. And the locks, in my mind, might actually only be one or two spots. The first of those locks is the point guard spot. You've got a guy that was up until probably 9 o'clock on the last possible day, a very, very likely candidate to enter the NBA draft and stay in the NBA draft. And I think your starting point guard, without question, is Judah Mitz. That is the most factual take I can give you. The most straightforward, the least to die. Uh, the least chaos behind it, the least controversy without question. Judah Mintz is your starting point guard. We know what we can get from him. You're looking for a really good jump in year two. Is He's trying to present himself as a first-round draft pick in next year's NBA draft. He should make those jumps. He can make those jumps. You saw the growth that he had in one year. Imagine what he can do the following season with an offseason. Uh, with this staff and some NBA experience and being able to run, get those drills, that experience, those ideas, those new skills to be able to hone in on drills, ideas, things to be aware of that you get from the combine, that you get from exec conversations, that you just get from experiencing that process. I can't wait to see what Judah can do in year two. You're starting to, I believe, is JJ Starling. It's a guy that you know, we, we know what you can get from him. And I think there's a lot more on the table. Lacked a little bit in the consistency department with Notre Dame last season. Um, but I do think a lot of that had to do with the team that he was playing with and trying to maybe bite off a little more than he can chew and take on a role that was him being the priority guy and him trying to take over as the guy that, that sort of needed to in that roster and at certain times. And I, I think this season, being able to play in tandem with Judah Mintz and, and talking about, you know, what hints you've gotten as to this style of play from Red Autry, I think he and Judah intertwine beautifully at this offense, on this defense as well, in the speed, the tempo, in this new style Syracuse basketball that Adrian Autry is trying to present. I see them being combo guards, honestly, where Judah is probably you're going to have to spend more possessions at the one, but by no means is it an issue if you outlet to JJ and he brings the ball up the court. And I love having that versatility in terms of being able to push the tempo, getting out behind defenses, being able to run with two guys that can move the ball in terms of speed, athleticism, tempo, agility, and also with very, very solid court vision. You saw it a little bit more out of Judah Mintz, but I do know that J.J. Starling has that as well in terms of when we reevaluate and look at 
last year's tape for the both of them. The three right here, I think this is probably the most, not controversial, but the most up for grab spot is the starting three between guys like Chris Bell, guys uh, like Justin Taylor, guys like Chance Westry, who could probably very easily flex into that three without question. I'm going to give the nod to Chris Bell, just because I think when you look at the guard duo of Judah and JJ, you're lacking a little bit in the three-point department. And that's where Chris Bell can excel. Justin Taylor, you could give the same argument for. I'm going to give Chris Bell the nod here as the most likely, but this three spot is, is the most up for grabs. It is where I think you'll see the most parity between predicted starting lineups leading up to when this season kicks off in November, tips off in November. That is the most up for grab spot. I'll leave with Bell right now, and then we'll see what happens. My four spot in my mind is almost solidified, but I, I do see a world where this could be wrong, uh, especially off of what we saw a little bit from Malik Brown. But I'm going to say Benny Williams starting in the four. I think the fact that he shot a hair under 40% from three last season is going to be what propels him into the four spot. I just talked about it. Judah Mintz, JJ Starling can shoot the three okay, but I think you're going to need a lot of help from the forwards in terms of being able to supplement in terms of the three-point uh, line and being able to put up threes and score in a more multifaceted way. At the five, this is my other one. I think I've, you know, polarized here. Judah Mintz at the one is solid in my mind. Naheem McLeod at the five is solid in my mind. Is there a very, very, you know, off chance where Monier could maybe? I, I don't see it happening. I, I think Judah and McLeod are, are my two that I sort of have locked in. And two, three, and four. Why don't I rephrase that? Two that I have locked on. Uh-huh. How about that? Uh, with the two, the three, and the four a little bit more up for grabs, but that three spot is really where uh, the biggest question arises. So to summarize, my theoretical starting lineup, Judah Mintz at the one, J.J. Starling at the two, Chris Bell at the three, Benny Williams at the four, and Naheem McLeod, the tallest man in Syracuse basketball history, wrapping things up at the five. Let's take a quick little break here, and on the other side, we will talk some other possible lineups and Based on that starting five, I gave you what I see as the likely minutes distribution or my predicted minutes distribution for this team come the winter time. All right, but before that, let's talk a little bit about our friends over at Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs, they are tremendous. That's what I got to lead with. I don't know another way to start this ad read besides saying that they are tremendous. They make you look good. They're comfortable, they're stretchy, but they look formal. It's like I'm wearing an athletic short, but also I am at the point in my formality where I can take these anywhere. Retirement party, grad party, golf outing. You can wear it all summer long. The shorts, they got pants too, if you're more of a pants fellow. Uh, I love the feel. I love the way they make my thighs look, the way they make my thighs feel. Uh, I got big thighs, and these shorts accentuate that. And I look wonderful while wearing them. And we've got a lot of good stuff. Some anti-stink, sweat-wicking fabric for the summertime. You get a little sweaty. Uh, last thing you want is to stink. 
this helps you out a little bit. And they've got this incredible cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but it stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. It's a lot of fun. I absolutely love it. And right now, if you go to birddogs.com slash college, you get a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash college for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you that. All right, Owen Valentine here on your Lockdown Syracuse Friday, talking about lineups for Syracuse basketball in the 2023-2024 season. We just broke down the starting five. I got Judah at the one, JJ at the two, Bell at the three, Benny at the four, and McLeod wrapping things up at the five. But that is by no means the only lineup that I think you could see. And all these starting fives would make a little bit of sense as well. I think a huge question mark coming into this season is Chance Westry coming off of injury. And he, I believe, is going to be the guy that most likely would throw a wrench in that starting five that I gave you. Now, Westry has a ton of height and very, very lengthy for the guard, which if you go back five years and Jim Beheim's here, playing the 2-3 zone, he is the the perfect human to have at the top of the zone. 6-6, a ton of length, can get out and move, can run, can push the tempo, can do what you need. But I also see that 6-6 as a very, very likely transition or the ability to play the 2 and the 3, which is why I think he throws a little bit of a wrench in that system where I have Chris Bell as your starting three and JJ Starling as your starting two. If Chance Westry comes back from injury and can do what many thought and most thought he would do out of high school, then Chris Bell's starting job at the three, I believe it needs to be on watch because Westry's skill set, I think, tailors a little bit more to the three than what Auburn tried to do with him last year and putting him at the one. I see Westry not as much as a ball handler, as much as I see him as someone who can score off ball, put the ball on the floor where he needs to, but I don't see his handles as as true point guard type player, which is why I think when you pair the height, when you pair the skill set, he can get to the rack. He can hit the mid-range. He can shoot the three even though he went 0 for last season in a very small sample size. I like him at the three and what that could present. And I think whether he starts or not, you're going to see a chunk of Chance Westry's minutes at the three this coming season. So I could see a world where you've got Judah at the one. I can see a world where Chance is your starting two. I could see a world where Chance is your starting three. So in theory, you could have a lineup of Judah and Chance being your two guards, you could insert Chris Bell at the three. I see a world where Justin Taylor could start at the three in that situation as well. Benny Williams at the four, Naheem McLeod at the five. I see a world where you could go three guard in Judah, JJ, and Chance starting with Benny and Naheem at the four and the five. I could also see a world, based on what we saw last season, where Malik Brown starts and Benny Williams comes off the bench. The thing I love the most about this team right now is that depth, is that you're going to see a lot of players on this court. 
my assumption is you're going to see nine, maybe 10 guys that are going to see the floor night after night after night. And I can't wait for that. And, and I, I, I said this last year with regards to, you know, should Joe start, should Joe not start, should Benny start, should Benny not start, should what's and, and, and all that, all of that, right? And in the past, we've seen that as well with, uh, you know, Malik Brown. Should he start? Chris Bell, why is Chris Bell still starting if he's not rebounding? Those conversations. I don't care who starts in reality. I care more about what we're going to wrap the show up with in a few minutes, and that is the minutes distribution. I care more about the minutes reflecting what they should be in terms of who's playing well, in terms of who can provide you what you need in certain situations. I don't care if you start Coleman for 35 seconds and put in Baikita the second the first ball goes out of bounds or the second the first whistle blows. Is it weird? Is it unnecessary? Yes, but as long as the minutes reflect what they need to reflect, who cares whose name is called? There's that take. But I want to take a look at what I think the minutes distribution should be next season based on the starting five that I gave you as the most likely and where I think the minutes fall from that point on. Now, before that, we do have uh, something for you to talk about. We've got the Locked On NBA Mock Draft Special. It's here and it's bigger than ever. So follow along the entire first round in a six-episode Ultimate Mock Draft experience only Locked On can deliver. All episodes are available now on Locked On NBA Big Board on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're looking for that draft, fill, go ahead and check that out. But right now, to wrap up our Friday episode of Locked On Syracuse, we're taking a look at what I believe is the minutes distribution for next season. We'll start with the starting five that I gave you. I said Judah at the one, JJ at the two, Bell at the three, Benny at the four, Naheem McLeod at the five. I see Judah Mintz, as I told you, as the lockdown starter. The least question in terms of what's happening. It's no, right? He's not coming back to not start. He's not coming back to not play. Uh, I see Judah Mintz playing 35 minutes a game. You got 200 total minutes to break down here. I should have led with that. Four or five guys at 40 minutes. Uh, gives you 200 minutes to work with. I see Judah getting 35 minutes a game. Uh, that could even be a little bit higher, but I don't think it needs to be higher. I like 35 as his number. Get a break or two here and there are certain situations, foul trouble, whatever it may be. Um, Judah Mintz, I see at 35 minutes. J.J. Starling at the two, I see playing just about exactly the same number of minutes as he saw at Notre Dame last season. I think he plays 30 minutes a game, which gives you, and this is notable, 15 minutes of, of non-Judah and JJ time available for your guards to slot in. Now, the forwards and the centers, I see a lot more parity. I see Chris Bell doing very similar numbers to what he did last season at the three, and that is 20 minutes a game, where some days it's more, some days it's less, but about 20 minutes a game on average. And I think that goes with the type of depth that you have at the forward and the type of splash power that you have uh, on that bench and in your reserves. I see Bell as 20 minutes a game. Benny Williams, because of uh, what I think he can do and what I hope he can do and what with maybe the, the elephant off out of the, you know, the elephant in the room addressed or the, the, the weight off his shoulders 
uh, without Bayheim's pressure, as many people theorize that could be. I don't know if that's the case. I don't want to say that's the case. But I think Benny Williams presents a ton in terms of ability. And you saw it down the stretch last season where he was playing with that confidence that if you go back to his hoop mixtapes from high school, his highlights from high school, he played with so consistently that swagger that I got this, that I am that guy type attitude. I'm not going to miss. I'm going to beat you. You started to see that creep through finally at the end of year two. And I hope that parlays into this season. And I think it will. I give Benny Williams 25 minutes a game. Now I'm going to give you the Naheem McLeod minutes, and then we'll start in terms of reserve minutes with the centers. Uh, I see the center position for Syracuse right now being sort of similar to what you saw Jesse Edwards' freshman year, uh, which was that 2019-2020 season, where you've got a guy in Barama Sidibe who's going to play 20, 25 minutes a game. I think that is McLeod in this situation. You've got freshman Jesse that season who played about seven minutes a game. I think that's Monir Hema in this fit. And then you've got a guy back in 2019-2020, you've got a guy in Marek Dolajai that is filling the rest of the time at the five, can slot over there, is going to play the four most of the time, but can slot into the five. And I think that is Malik Brown. And so that's sort of how I see your minutes at the five broken up. I see Naheem McLeod getting 25 minutes a game. I see Ramonir Hema getting eight minutes a game. I see Malik Brown getting 17 minutes a game. Some of those being at the five. I would say the majority of those being at the four, probably 10 minutes at the four, seven minutes at the five, something like that, where the situation's right. Some games you'll see him play a ton more at the five against some smaller teams, right? Uh, there are a number of smaller squads in the ACC that you saw last season. Maybe that's a Malik Brown day where he's going to play a lot at the five. And McLeod and Hema, not as much. There are teams with huge bigs. Uh, you looked at last year with Duke and, and two seven-footers on the floor uh, for more than 50% of the minutes. Um, you know, that's that's something where you're going to want height. Maybe that's where McLeod gets more minutes. But I do see Brown getting that sort of Marek Dolajai 19-20 split where most of the minutes are at the four, but there are going to be many times where he's going to push into the five uh, and, and you'll find that success. Uh, so there's Brown's minutes off the bench. There's Hema's minutes off the bench. Um, I see Chance Westry and Justin Taylor as guys that can sub in at both the two and the three. And I think they're both going to get their you know, chance, uh, no pun intended here. Uh, I see Westry getting about 20 minutes a game. Uh, that could literally be anywhere from the one to the three. I hope it's more two and three for him. I see Justin Taylor getting 15 minutes a game. That's the same minute split uh, that he and Bell had last season. Bell with about 20 minutes, Taylor with about 15. I see Chance getting about 20, and I see Quidier Copeland getting about five minutes per game. I think he sneaks in. I think there's going to be situations where you want him. Uh, I, I think he he presents a nice versatility to to what you can do with his style of play. A little bit more uh, free, I would say. A little bit more, uh, I'm just going to let things flow and do what I want to do and see where, you know, what we can do in terms of fun passes and vision and all of that. Uh, I like what Quidier can do as a spark uh, in this situation. And so, uh, as to recap, right, that's 10 players that I think are going to average five or more minutes 
That's 10 players that I think you're going to see most, if not every night. The one question mark, the biggest question mark is going to be Quidir Copeland uh, in his minutes. I'm sure there will be games where he doesn't get used at all. But I think more games than not, you're going to see Copeland in there uh, in some capacity, whether it's to give a breather, whether it's to just mix things up a little bit, whether it's, you know, for two minutes before the half to keep Judah, JJ, Chance, whoever it is, out of foul trouble. I do see the role for Copeland this season. In terms of the scholarship players, uh, I don't really see Kyle Cuff getting minutes this season. I don't know all too much. There's too many question marks about him for me to think that he gets minutes this year. If he does, that's possible, right? He's coming back from two years of injury. Some people come back really good, really well, really effectively. Could be him. I don't think that's the most likely thing. And then Peter Carey, William Patterson, I don't necessarily see getting minutes. I would not be shocked to see Peter Carey transfer after this season. I would not be shocked to see William Patterson redshirt this season. I think both of those decisions make a lot of sense. But your 200 minutes, your starters, I see getting 135 minutes. Your bench, I see getting the remaining 65 minutes, mainly led by Chance Westry, Justin Taylor, and Malik Brown, with some sparse showings from Quidir Copeland and Monir Hema when needed uh, and when the situation is right. This is not a conversation for just me to have. If you disagree with me, throw it in the comments on YouTube. Tweet at me at LO underscore Syracuse over on Twitter uh, to join that conversation. Do you think the starting lineup is right? Did I completely miss the possibility of another starting line? Are my minutes wrong? Do you think that JJ should be playing less? Chance should be playing more? Uh, what do you see in terms of the role of Chance Western? Love to get you in on this conversation. Love to see what you get in that regard. I am excited uh, for what this team can do. I really am. This lineup is fun. The versatility of it is really, really cool. Uh, and I, I do love that there are so many options, which makes especially predicting the minutes so difficult. This is a prediction. Four months out, five months out, this is a prediction. We're going to revisit this, I'm sure, as the season progresses, maybe multiple times. The more info we get, the more we start to hear about and see from guys like coming off of injuries in Chance Westry, in Kyle Cup Jr., uh, in seeing what they can do. And a lot of these guys with some question marks on their head, we'll start to get those answers and we will revisit this without question. That'll do it for your Friday episode of Locked on Syracuse. I'm Owen Valentine saying thank you so much for making Locked on Syracuse your first listen today and every day. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, free and available wherever you get podcasts, your team every day. We'll look for Monday, Wednesday, and Friday next week. Uh, get on that schedule for the next two months or so, uh, and then we'll pick things back up come August, come spring, or not spring, uh, come preseason for Syracuse football. Have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy your Father's Day uh, on Sunday uh, or whoever your the significant male influence in your life is, whatever that might be, whoever that might be. Say thank you. Uh, enjoy your day. Relax. Sit down. Uh, barbecue maybe a little bit. Get out and fish. Spend some time with family and loved ones, uh, and I will see you on Monday. Be kind. Say thank you to someone. Make somebody smile this weekend. Have a great weekend. I will, I hope, 
No, I will. I'm switching that for my hope. I will see you on Monday with hopefully a fun episode. Not exactly sure what that is yet, but I'll see you then. Peace.